What's going on, guys? It is Travis here with the NPCs, and welcome to another weekly news roundup. It is December 2nd, 2022, and tonight we will be talking about Nintendo canceling the agreement for Smash World Tour without warning. We'll get into all the juicy details about what's going on behind the scenes in the Smash competitive world. We'll also be talking about the second Mario Bros. trailer dropping and all the details that we find out coming up in the... Uh, in the blockbuster movie that features Mario, at least the first one since the 90s. And of course, we'll also be talking more about Nintendo and how they apologize for the performance issues with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and what they're going to be doing to try to address some of those issues. We're gonna roll our intro and then we'll get things started. And of course, we are live. We are up. We are running. Welcome, everybody, again, as always, to the Weekly News Roundup. I am Travis, of course. That's Kyle over there via Discord. What's going on, Kyle? Oh, Nada, what's up? Dude, it has been a kind of a light week in news. I think you were even saying that to me, too. It's like we've been seeing some interesting stuff, but uh, it's been rather Nintendo heavy, hasn't it? it? Yeah, very much so. I mean... Uh, I'm all the Pokemon news uh, just blowing up um, after the release. Um, and then, of course, the direct um, and then some big news about Nintendo ninjas. So, yeah, all sorts of Nintendo stuff this week. Yeah, but really not has. a lot of other. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, I'm wearing I know you can't see it from your side, but I got my Super Mario uh, shirt on here just by chance. So uh, uh, at least I'm set and ready to talk about mario stuff so uh let's just talk about the house <laughs> of mario we'll just jump right into it with the first story in here and that is about the nintendo uh shutting down the smash world tour without warning so uh smash world tour is a uh separate third party organization or a separate third party event that is specifically for smash brothers uh tournaments whether it's the classic smash brothers or a lot of melee even all the way up i mean it's literally every single title out there gets played at this but only a few get featured on the main stage uh so they were in prep for getting ready to do their event for 2022 and uh unfortunately uh they ended up getting uh requested or being told by nintendo to shut everything down and again, just like it says, there is just without any warning whatsoever. So a lot of the information that's coming out here was reported on by Kotaku, and we're referencing an article here from The Verge on this. Uh, but what they went in to talk about is, uh, I guess, the um, note here from uh, Smash World Tour says... Uh, let's see, where is it? In 2022 alone, we connected over 6,400 live events worldwide with over 325,000 in-person entrants, making the Smash World Tour the largest esports tour in history for any game title. The championships would also have had the largest prize pool in Smash history at over 250,000 US dollars. So that tournament was set to take place on December 9th and go through the 11th, so literally this next week. However, they received notice uh, the night before Thanksgiving from Nintendo that says they are no longer allowed to use any of their uh, any of their uh, uh, properties, which basically shuts everything down and nullifies all of it and just says you can't do this anymore, and they had to go ahead and shut down. What it looks like in the news, though, specifically with this, is that it could be potentially tied into um, a partnership that Nintendo made I guess earlier this year with a esports brand known as Panda. And I had never heard of them before, Kyle. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm out of the 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 esports space too much. Like I I focus like on CSGO and Overwatch, but I don't really pay attention to the the Smash stuff or anything. So have you ever heard of Panda? Have you seen any I had of their never stuff? heard of them. No. Okay. So the rest of the stuff here goes on. At least they're talking about that it looks like Panda may have been involved in some way, shape, or form to actually get them canceled. Uh, they go on to say they made it clear that Panda's partnership was not exclusive, and they said it, it had not gone unnoticed that we had not infringed on their IP regarding game modifications and had represented Nintendo values well. Nintendo was being consistently straightforward, transparent, and direct in answering the team's questions at the time. Uh, so the statement they had put out there says that... Um, 
uh, or at least what The Verge says here, is the statement goes on to accuse Alan Bunny, Panda CEO and co-founder of Sabotage, claiming he discouraged Smash World Tour 2022 tournament organizers by falsely informing them that the event was being shut down and that any events that uh, uh, participated in the Panda Cup would not be allowed on the Smash World Tour. So whatever's going on here behind the scenes with with, uh, Panda and this exclusivity stuff that's going on, maybe has come to a head because it's actually caused quite a stir amongst not only Smash players, competitive players, but also fans of Smash. So, I mean, I mean, before we go on to the rest of this stuff, though, what's your take on it so far, Kyle? I mean, it, it's really bizarre. I had, I had heard that um, there was kind of ripples or, you know, kind of waves being made at the beginning of November about... The, this whole thing, and I, I wish I had found the uh, other article uh, that uh, that it talked about it. But um, basically, um, at the beginning of November, um, they had been, or the organization that was holding the world tour was told that they were being uh, essentially looked into by Nintendo to make sure that everything was okay, and it seemed like everything was going to be fine, and they had gotten confirmation back that it seemed like everything that was uh a go for this whole thing and i mean it, it's not a a small um operation that the prize pool was supposed to be something like two hundred fifty thousand dollars um for the champion so i mean it, it's definitely a big um show um so i i don't know what happened there but then yeah it, it suddenly uh, came to a head right before Thanksgiving, and now um, Nintendo, you know, acknowledges that people have been trying to make arrangements for it, but it's not like they're going to do anything about it, unfortunately. And I, I know that in the past, um, and th- this may have been ammo, I guess, for for Panda, because um, there were some, I guess, scrutinizing remarks that that panda or some maybe even snide remarks that panda had possibly um allegedly made uh towards the organizer organizers of the smash world tour um about you know well good luck you know trying to do it without you know doing this you know just kind of kind of trying to push them to to say you know well we've got a thumb on this and if you if you do do us dirty or you know do anything that that offends us we're we're just gonna make sure that you can't ever host any any tournaments ever again um without saying it and i i i guess potentially it may have all come to a head right at that that day before thanksgiving when nintendo did shut them down but there hasn't been any any sort of remarks or any sort of statements made uh from panda or nintendo saying otherwise that it has been uh any involvement from Panda, so yeah, and that's the that's yeah, interesting. It's kind of weird. It is. It's the very interesting part. And so their announcement, um, uh, the Smash World Tours announcement, was posted onto Medium. And I gotta say, like Medium just seems to be the place to go. Like you know, we read Mick Gordon's post about uh, the stuff with uh, Bethesda and ID regarding the stuff with Doom Eternal's original soundtrack and that. Um, and now it's like, of course, now it's up here on medium. So I've been going through it here and I've been looking and it looks like they've, they've, they were already kind of aware that something was up because they originally submitted an application to, for licensing with Nintendo back in January of this year, because I guess they had some really good conversations last year. They had some things really well worked out and going into this year, they felt confident, but it took so much time to finally hear back on anything that they became skeptical of, I guess, what was happening. And it sounds like the CEO of Panda or whoever, uh, you know, whoever else in the Panda org may have been talking. It probably was just the CEO based on the way these are reading so far. Um, not only discouraged those in the Smash World Tour, like all the different organizers and such there, but also those mm. not even affiliated with the Smash World Tour, just other smash tournaments that and smash organizers that were going to be doing their own separate things and so yeah like it was almost like they ran a uh, disinformation campaign potentially uh towards people that might be coming to attend the the tournament Mm -hmm. and then they they were using um the fact that 
I want to say it was clear back in like 2014 or 2016. Um, the organize the organizers, uh, excuse me, um, of Smash World Tour were were using uh, previously net rollback code, and that was that was their ammo for for Nintendo. So I I don't know. It was like a, a whole disinformation campaign on on so many levels, supposedly um, that may have occurred. Yeah, and that's really where all of this kind of comes to a head right now. Is that um, you know, we did actually receive statement from Nintendo talking about all of this, um, bringing it up. Let me try to find where their statement was at here. Um, so Nintendo did actually reply back to Kotaku and did indicate to them, I'm just trying to find the statement here. So Nintendo on the 30th, uh, told Kotaku, unfortunately, after continuous conversations with Smash World Tour and after giving the same deep consideration we apply to any potential partner, we were unable to come to an agreement with SWT for a full circuit in 2023. Nintendo did not request any changes to or cancellation of remaining events in 2022, including the 2022 championship event, considering the negative impact on the players who, all, who were already planning to participate. So Nintendo here in this first comment from them, uh, or comment, in regards to this had basically did not is saying that they couldn't have any sort of agreement. They didn't have any agreement in place for 2023 and they couldn't come to an agreement, but that they did not, or at least they're directly saying they did not ask for any sort of cancellation to happen with the 2022 event that's supposed to be happening next week. However, uh, SWT followed up immediately after Kyle. I don't know if you read this part, mm -hmm. uh, but here's what they said. Uh, they said, we did not expect to have to address this, but Nintendo's response via Kotaku has been brought to our attention. Uh, so they go on to read the exact same thing I just read. And uh, they say, we're unsure why they are taking this angle, especially in light of the greater statement and uh, all that it contains. So they went ahead and they uh, went off their official statement here. Uh, to be clear, we asked Nintendo multiple times if they had considered the implications of canceling the championships as well as next year's tour. They affirmed that they had considered all variables. We received this statement in writing from Nintendo shortly after our call. And this is actually a statement then that they, it looks like copy and pasted from an email they received from Nintendo, but it says this. It is Nintendo's expectation that an approved license be secured in order to operate any commercial activity featuring Nintendo IP. It is also expected to secure such a license well in advance of any public announcement. After further review, we found that the Smash World Tour has not met these expectations around health and safety guidelines and has not adhered to our internal partner guidelines. Nintendo will not be able to grant a license for the Smash World Tour Championship 2022 or any Smash World Tour activity in 2023. And then uh, the SWT team goes on to say, to be clear, we did not even submit an application for 2023 yet. The license application was for the 2022 Championship, which was submitted in April. Nintendo including all... 2023 activity was an addition we were not even expecting. In our call that accompanied the statement, we asked multiple times if we would be able to continue to operate without a license as we had in years past with, that, with the same unofficial understanding with Nintendo. We were told point blank that those times are over. They followed up with the call or followed up the call with their statement in writing again, confirming both the 22, 2022 championships and all 2023 activity were in the exact same boat. Now, of course, this morning, uh, Kyle, you know what? Because I, I keep on reading this off. Maybe it'd be fair just mm -hmm. to, to drop you the link here so you can see it too. But, <laughs> um, and I'll bring this up here too for our viewers as well so they can actually see what we're looking at here from Kotaku. But here's what Nintendo went ahead and released this morning. So Kotaku had this from Nintendo at 12.15 a.m. Eastern Time, December 2nd. So uh, yeah, literally today. Nintendo would like to explain to all Super Smash Brothers fans and interested parties the background and rationale related to our decision to not grant a license to the Smash World Tour for their upcoming activities. Nintendo's decision was solely based on our assessment of the proposals submitted by the SWT and our evaluation of their unlicensed activities. This decision was not influenced by any external parties such as Panda Global. Any partner that we grant a license to has to meet the high standards we require when it comes to the health and safety of our fans. It's also important that a partner adheres to brand and IP guidelines and conducts itself according to professional and organizational best practices. We use this same approach to independently assess all partners. If we discover that a partner is doing something inappropriate, we will work to correct it. When we notified the SWT that we would not license their 2022 or 2023 activities, we also let them know verbally that we were not requiring they cancel the 2022 finals 
uh, finals event because of the impact it would have on players. Thus, the decision to cancel the SWT 2022 was and still is their own choice. Let that kind of sit in your head there for a second. We're opening to partnering with other organizations and will continue to offer licenses for major tournaments outside of the Panda Cup. Panda Global will continue to be a key partner, and we look forward to receiving proposals from other groups for tournament licenses. In the meantime, Panda continues to advocate on behalf of the Super Smash Bros. community, even to the point that Panda has advocated for other organizations and tournaments to work with Nintendo, such as the Big House and the organizers of the SWT to benefit the larger Super Smash Bros. community. And now here's the fun part. Nintendo cares about Super Smash Bros. fans and its community very much, and we hope to continue to hear their passionate feedback. We are committed to working hard to bring joy and fun to the community through tournaments while also ensuring we and our partners are operating in a manner that is positive and responsible. So Nintendo, mm. so I want, that's why I want you to, to keep that in your head, though, is that that one paragraph there about the fact that they would not license anything for 2022 or 2023 and that canceling 2022 was their choice and not a Nintendo Force thing, even though we've got information from SWT saying Nintendo said to shut down. Nintendo said to not do this. So Yeah, it's it's almost like Nintendo poking them to say, oh, yeah. go ahead and do it, but if you do, there's going to be legal ramifications, and we would love that. Dude, see, that's I, exactly it. It's, it's exactly yeah. it, is that it's like that. And, you know, not only are the SWT, uh, like, the SWT group upset about where this is at, and they, there's not really a lot they can do, the community is rightly so upset, too. And there's been comments abound in regards to what this means, and it's the fact that a lot of pro Smash players are going to basically be avoiding the circuit now. They're going to be avoiding any competitions that involve Panda, uh, they're going to be avoiding any streams that involve Panda. They're going to be basically boycotting it as much as they can, which for a lot of these players effectively like hits their livelihood because if they're their mainline smash as their competitive game, th that might be a problem for them to try to adjust to some other fighter potentially, you know, if you know, if this is where their their expertise is at. So well, and, and the fact that Nintendo tries to state full out that, you know, they, they had never submitted an application or whatever, when they they, they had uh, submitted an application, they right. had, you know, evidence of submitting an application clear back in April uh, for the, the tournament to occur in December. So, I mean, they had plenty of time for Nintendo to provide a proper response. And then Nintendo turns around and literally what, two weeks before the, the tournament's supposed to be held, tells them, you can't have it, sorry. And then, you know, within, uh, I, I guess, five days of that time, they're like, oh, and, you know, here's a letter saying that, you know, you, you, you just can't do it and you can't have it next year. And if you do, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and that's why it's a little weird for them to speak up, and especially that SWT called out and said they hadn't even put together anything for their 2023 uh, run, that they hadn't put anything. That's like, another thing. That, now it's already been called out. Yeah, it comes off super, super fishy when they when they say it like that, that, you know, they for their 2023, it's like, well, you know, maybe they had decided to already abandon the Smash license at that point. Um because of the whole fiasco i you know who who's to say what s the the swt organizers have decided but i mean for them to already state that you know they they're not going to do it in 2023 it's like well were you that offended or um is someone else pulling at your pulling your strings what what's going on in the background you know yeah. or is is there just some sort of turmoil you know in the the upper echelon of nintendo that no one knows about that that's causing this you know th this partnership to just break yeah it's it's very interesting to think about what else is going back there like going on back there behind the scenes but this doesn't really seem as much of a surprise though for nintendo because they've shut down stuff like this plenty of times they've like they're like you said, like you know the Nintendo ninjas, literally their lawyers are so fast yeah. at at getting in front of anything and shutting stuff down that they, uh, yeah, they're pretty big about doing that. And so I just I it's, don't. Understand. It's just weird to me that 
you know, they knew it was coming clear back in April. Why couldn't they say something in like, I don't know, June, July, you know, there, there are people that, yeah, there, there are a lot, a lot of players that are going to be affected by this now. And, you know, they, they forced SWT's hand to, to make a split second decision to totally cancel the, the tournament. And, you know, then they turn around and say, no, no, we didn't do that. No, we're not, we're not, we're not actually saying that, but we're going to provide SWT with information that does say that. No, exactly. That's, that's exactly it. That, that they, extended an olive branch and then what ended up happening is that that olive branch just basically went right across their face (laughs) on on fire and right across their faces yeah (laughs) so it's definitely a big problem for sure that's that's the key part of it i think that needs to be taken away from this but as it stands right now that's basically it at this point in time i mean we've got like professional players like aiden for example who goes on and says i will never attend a publicly licensed nintendo or panda circuit event ever again i will continue to support grassroots locals and majors unaffiliated with nintendo that have been the lifeblood of our scene for 20 plus years and aiden goes on to say that on uh on uh twitter now i guess where this kind of leaves us at is what's next like what other smash events are going to end up getting shut down what other gaming events are going to get shut down because at least from nintendo's part because smash ends up being the big one like i don't really see anything professional in the mario kart space Uh, you know it'd be funny if they see that you know it's so funny because a lot of the a lot of the like grassroots uh, events that he talks about that that's how people manage to get to these big events they a lot of people they they couldn't afford it otherwise. They might have a tournament at a library that the uh, the winner gets a prize to go compete at at a big tournament, you know. And that that might be their one big shot that they they never would have actually ever had the opportunity to get beforehand. And now Nintendo's attacking the little guys. It feels like just oh, just from this whole thing. Oh, and I agree. what's next? Are they going to attack the the tournaments at libraries? You know, are they going to attack tournaments that are organized by, you know, groups on Discord that do use net rollback code just because it's more simple to play online that way? Yeah, the idea of Nintendo actually, like, reaching out and, like, shutting down, like, you know, for example, something that, say, like, a library um, would be, man, that would be really bizarre. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that would be really, like, hard-hitting, especially for those, like, a library, for example, is one of those places that do get kids into doing stuff like this because it gets them into an environment that they're comfortable with. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the same time, does kind of, like you said, offer that next level, though, too, of being able to potentially compete in something bigger. Like, even our local college here has an esports team that actually has um, Smash, uh, Smash players, and it's also the same with one of the guys I work with. One of his kids goes to a school here that actually, like a regular school here, uh, I think it's one of the private ones that actually has an esports team in his. He mainlines Smash, so it's like it's one yeah. of those things that it's like you've got it at the local level. It's like this just paints Nintendo into a weird corner, especially if any of those kids pay attention to it, and you know shows like where the support is actually at you know it's not from nintendo it is from your local stuff so nintendo i don't know exactly what else we can expect out of this from nintendo it seems like they've said their piece and i don't think we're going to hear anything else on it but it's going to be very very interesting to see how the rest of the the uh industry and that looks like that or looks with this or at least the rest of these events look with a lot of the boycotting and such though too like what the user, yeah. the, the viewer levels are at. I, I don't know. I, I'd like to see Nintendo actually go back and say, no, we were wrong on something, you know, like this, specifically this. But that that's not a very Nintendo move. So I, I think right now they, they've made a finite decision that, that this is pretty much at a stop and they, they're right at the moment they're working with panda going forward and they might say they're open to opportunity but will or you know partnership and um with other organizers or um other groups but we'll we'll see how open they they actually are in the future absolutely absolutely so in the meantime as we wait to see exactly what's going to be happening with nintendo uh i guess we carry on to some non-nintendo news for the moment before we get back into more nintendo news and that is about elite dangerous and the aliens are rather pissed off so 
Kyle, you happen to come across this, and I gotta say, like, I've been wanting to get Elite Dangerous for a while. Like, I, I want to. I've got the VR headset anyway with the Quest Two. I would love to be able to play this in VR with a Thrustmaster uh, setup with the joystick and the the throttle control to be able to like to be able to be able to actually like fly around space and potentially interact with these aliens. But what's happening? Like, why is it that they're in such a bad mood? So, of course. This started, and we actually reported on it. Um, I, I want to say it was clear back, like in 2017. I, I we reported on it. I, I think in 2018, 2019. Uh, but ships were getting pulled out of hyperspace in the game and randomly scanned by alien ships, and it it was the first time alien ships have actually been spotted in in um elite dangerous and i mean th this game is vast so people have been searching for a very very long time and th it was a whole unique animation that that plays out and you you see the ship and it's kind of like a what the heck moment but all of a sudden over the past couple months these scans have been getting more and more abundant but with the latest update um, aliens are going to be coming into the Milky Way to attack humans. Dun, dun, dun. So we can expect alien attacks um, basically continuously over the next update, which is kind of cool. It, it It's a little unprecedented. I, I think it adds a whole new aspect to the game because this was very much a do anything, uh, you know, go anywhere, do anything you want type of game. If you want to be a pirate, be a pirate. If you want to save the galaxy, do your best. Save the galaxy. If you want to go rescue people or deliver goods, you know, do that too. But, I mean, now it, it goes just beyond, you know, warring factions. This is like all-out war for humanity. So it's it's kind of like a whole new aspect that's really cool. Yeah, and I like I like the idea of that that this game is continuing to evolve, and that we're actually seeing um, more of it instead of just being the uh, um, instead of it just being the space exploration part that you know we had the alien visitors. I remember when that was announced, and it's like people mm -hmm. were like, "Oh, like what the hell is this thing coming out?" And you know, one person gets it up there, and then now it's evolving to the point that the that the alien race the uh, what are they called again? They're called the. They're called the Stargoids or Thargoids. Yeah. They, um. I think they were introduced as like the Thargoids there at first, and now they're called Stargoids instead. Which apparently yeah. that the Stargoids are the one that are actually the, um, I guess are apparently going to be the big bad ones. So. But it seems like these battles have actually been going on already for a while anyway, though. Like, that fighting them is not necessarily a new thing. Uh, but I I'm excited to actually see more of this. Like, so I got a video up here. This is actually from four years ago from a YouTuber mm -hmm. named Berserkman2000. And uh, it says here in the description of the video, he says... Uh, I snatched a Thargoid sensor at a non-human signal source, and I guess this Cyclops wanted back. Uh, I don't think it realized what it was getting into. After I after the battle, I investigated the remains, and apparently he's got another video that talks about it. But, um, I mean, he, he... Interesting. Yeah, so it looks like that this combat situation has been going on for a while, and it seems almost similar to, like, the way EVE handles some of its... or, like, some of the in-game stuff in EVE Online happens, too. That these aliens have been just around kind of exploring and learning and and figuring things out as they uh, as they come in. And, you know, they're non-hostile at first, but then they become hostile as time goes on. And now it's more like here is the larger force that's that's coming in to basically ruin everybody's day. So, I mean, if you consider... First, I mean, a video like this also drives the question, who was hostile first? You know, they dropped us out to scan us, but who who drew guns first in this situation? So that's a good question. Like, is it possible that someone did attack and it actually set everything into motion or like, did it yeah, maybe go ahead and pull the, the, the developers had a counter of, you know, how many times people uh, sought out the aliens to attack them and and, you know, or 
once they were in a situation where they could actually uh, fight back, did they? Instead of you know, or you know, what 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 happened that that caused the aliens to be so hostile? Exactly. Like uh, it makes me wonder if there could be something like that. But I, like you know, I mean, one could kind of hope that that would maybe have been the case, or this just could have been a planned thing, and it's just like now the aliens are bad guys, and now you're going to be the good guy picking how you're going to handle this stuff. You know, can you work for like like with what you can do in Elite Dangerous? Is like, can you be a pirate still and maybe work for the aliens, you know, collecting more intel or something. Right. Can you, do you just get to be the good guy and have to shoot them and take them down? Is it a whole, like the good guys and the bad guys of space come together to basically take down the same threat? You know, there's, there's not as much detail at least as what's going on there, but I mean, that's pretty cool though. Like I'm stoked to see more of this. Well, and as, especially in a game as vast as elite dangerous. I mean, if, if you set your, your uh your your ship to basically travel to another system that that's so many light years away if you don't actually plot courses and you know make jump coordinates and everything it will take you that many light years the game is that that vast so it's it's crazy that you know something has escalated this quickly you know just in in 3 years the i mean Really, really great planning on the developer's part, in my opinion. I think so, too. And like, like I said, it keeps on coming up on sale on Steam for me all the time. I just need to pull the trigger and just buy the, the damn thing. I just do. I yeah, need, no, I it, a it's a great game. It can be overwhelming at first, but it, it's really cool. It can be a, a definite uh, time suck, for sure. Oh, I bet. It's not like I need that anymore, do I? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, so I guess keep an eye out for that update to uh, become available. It looks like it's going to be free, so you don't need to actually buy any sort of expansion or anything to access it. Uh, it will be available there in the uh, standard Elite Dangerous release as an update, so just keep an eye out for alien attacks. But now let's move on to the next bit of Nintendo news we have, and that is the second Mario Brothers trailer. Uh, the movie trailer has released this week thanks to a uh, another Nintendo Direct because they got to direct everything. And uh, in this trailer, not only do we get to be introduced to Donkey Kong, we also get to see Peach. We get to see uh, more of the Toads. We actually get our first look at Yoshi, or at least the Yoshis. Uh, we get to hear Charlie Day's voice uh, for Luigi. And uh, yeah, so how about if I just instead go ahead and roll the thing and we could have that go in there. Oh, I accidentally muted it there. There we go. I'm really looking forward to this movie, though, Kyle. Uh, I I actually kind of am too at this point, honestly. I mean, it looks like they've they've really leaned into so much of of the the actual Mario lore. Uh, I mean, starting out with the the, the trailer, it looks like it's gonna be some sort of sm Super Smash scenario on a on a Donkey Kong, you know, 1980s level, um, and then just so many aspects of the movie. It speaks to you know the original um, live action Super Mario movie, as, as well as you know Mario Kart, Donkey Kong, uh, just everything everything mario that, that has been uh, part of the franchise Look at us. We're adorable. but i do have issues oh, still this. with some of the voices no <laughs> yeah and that's been the recurring thing through all of this too is that it seems like every other voice seems to fit okay but it's chris pratt mario seems to be a problem yeah, I don't know. Even even Princess Peach, you know, and Luigi, I for me it's kind of like I hear it sometimes and I'm like, yeah, and then I hear it other times and I'm like, no. No. No pressure. I don't know. It it's still I'm still excited to see it. Um they they lean heavily into the lore of basically all the games and all the movies uh or i guess movie um and then some of the other like lesser known stuff it looks like too 
that, that's Mario adjacent. So I, I, I'm just really excited. I am too. And it just seems like there is a lot of like Mario properties being um, crammed into this. Oh, and we got a copyright notice here on the uh, video here too. <laughs> oh, did we? I got to love YouTube's thing here. Yep. It just hit it already right there in the, uh, the um, notes there at the, or in the, uh, actual studio part here which is funny but anyway even so um as we carry on what's interesting though (laughs) about this especially is like a couple different things it's just it's it's the amount of properties that we actually have in there from mario like mario's world effectively that not only do we see like you said we see like kind of a smash brothers vibe when we are seeing the battle with donkey kong there in the beginning uh we're seeing the uh uh, it it kind of has that same look, though, more like the original Donkey Kong arcade game. Um, mm-hmm. Then, of course, we've got um, we've got Mario Kart in there. I mean, you, that's there, that's a dead giveaway exactly on what Mario Kart is. But then, you know, instead of being this big open world or this big open um, environment, you know, uh, that we see like you know you think like a regular Mario game with all the platforming. Um, mm-hmm. the platforming part of Mario has been reduced down to what looks like a training level of some type, you know, like a battle level of some type to, to get Mario ready to go fight Bowser. And obviously he's doing terrible with it. Um, what's, what's more curious about it though, than anything is that we didn't get to hear Donkey Kong's voice in any way. Um, we did get to see Peach and Peach is no longer just a damsel in distress. She actually has like a halberd and she's ready to go and start, you know, tearing ass around everything. Uh, she's, uh, you know, uh, she's trying to make sure that Mario's aware of what is going on and try to bring him up to speed. And of course we see Luigi is more of the damsel in distress, honestly, with everything else. He's more of the one, like we saw him previously in the first trailer being chased by a bunch of, um, uh, a bunch, God, what are the dry bones? That's it. Yeah. By a bunch of dry bones. We saw him. I don't know. Well, we saw that, that kind of leans there. into the, uh. Yeah, Luigi's Haunted Mansion, yeah. uh, Luigi, I, I feel like. Well, the other part, too, is that it's like also not only what we saw in the little bit of the trailer, but also posters that came out for the movie, too, that got leaked uh, that show that Mario and Luigi, just like the 90s movie, are plumbers in the real world. They're plumbers, mm-hmm. and something happens there where they end up getting sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom and the rest of the 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 worlds that reside or that exist in that environment uh it, it seems like they kind of follow some of that but fortunately it, we know it won't be anything like the super mario brothers movie of the 90s uh one of the interesting things though that some people caught on to for the poster i can't bring it up because every single version of it i tried to find for our show notes uh was all like taken down uh but the movie poster showed a van that had the Super Mario Brothers logo on it. It looked more like the Super Mario Brothers uh, game that came out for the Wii, uh, that type of Super Mario Brothers logo. Um, and then also it looked like it took place like the actual overworld, regular, wor- like real world city was like New Donk City because someone spotted what looked to be Pauline in the background walking like either away or towards, but she was just far enough away. But you could tell with the the maroon hat and the the maroon dress that it looked like the pauline from super mario uh, odyssey so that'd be cool i mean just yeah the the more the more lore that they pull into it i feel like it and and just stay accurate to you know the even even if it is just the more modern games um staying true to it it just makes it that much more cool, you know? Yeah. And that's one of those kind of interesting things that they tried to tie all these things together. I just hope it's not too much in one go that they're not trying to put all of their eggs into a basket compared to say like uh Sonic yeah. where Sonic, you know, Sonic's first movie had the introduction of Dr. Robotnik before he went completely crazy. I mean, he was already a little crazy in that movie. We did see some right. of we did see some of like, you know, the world that he came from. There was no mention of the Chaos Emeralds in the first movie. Uh, you know, uh there was no Tails or Knuckles, there was no Amy. Uh there was no uh 
Shadow the Hedgehog. There was no Robo Sonic or anything like that. It was literally just Sonic trying to figure out his place, and we got you know some of those vibes. The second movie kind of took that next phase and introduced Knuckles and Tails, and um, and Robotnik being more of like what we know of him from the games and such. And now the third movie right. is coming out in a couple of years, and that one's going to, from what I understand, it's going to introduce Amy. We're going to see Shadow the Hedgehog as well, too. We're going to see more chaos from Robotnik as well, more probably emphasis on the Chaos Emeralds. Um, you know, they spread things out, but with this, it just seems like, and I even was talking with someone at work about this, I wouldn't be shocked to actually see Link show up at the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, jeez. I don't know why. I just expect it for some strange reason just to see Link appear. But I mean, anything's possible. Um, I kind of hope not, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'd really like them to stick to the, you know, Mario Donkey Kong franchise. I feel like Donkey Kong might even be a little bit of a stretch because aside from the uh you know donkey kong arcade game I, I i don't feel like they're really too much the same game anymore you know i mean you got the donkey kong world games or you know it, it just i don't know <laughs> I, I i just feel like they're too different now but it all agreed the, being they together that that it's okay for the movie, but I, I, I don't want them to bring too many other uh, Nintendo licenses into it. Like, all of a sudden, you know, bring Splatoon and Zelda and Metroid. No. It's all just, just keep it with Mario. Yeah. They're going to treat it like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that we get the Super Mario Brothers movie first. Then we get a Legend of Zelda movie. Then we get a Splatoon movie. Then we get, Kirby movie. Then we get a Kirby movie. And then as it all comes together, it's going to be like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where the big like Avengers-style movie is going to be Smash Brothers. And I feel like Nintendo that's what the Nintendo or the uh, Sega um, Super game is going to be. Jeez, probably. Um, <laughs> that's what they're working towards right now. So Just Nintendo's doing it in the shadows. In, <laughs> in, in, all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, though, about what they probably could introduce next was based on something that Peach had said in the trailer, is that she made a comment about multiple galaxies. Now, the idea, though, that they could branch out and that the next phase of things could involve Rosalina and, say, like, getting into, like, Super Mario Galaxy territory wouldn't be too far of a stretch to say, like, the next step because then that allows for more of that, like, growth for Mario, per se, you know, to kind of get out of that. I would like to see, like, maybe some stuff come out of, like, Super Mario World, for example, like with, mm -hmm. the, uh, um, with the Koopa Kids and the uh, the um, the feather cape and uh, dinosaur land and all that, but you know one can hope that maybe they do something like that. I don't know. Either way, it makes me think that maybe Rosalina and Super Mario Galaxy style stuff might be kind of the next phase of things. But what we'll be able to at least say is that we'll be able to see it in April. That's when it's going to drop is uh, April of this next year. So we don't have yeah. too long to wait. So. Anyway, uh, before we move on, Serpent Knight in chat here says, I know that cartoons and 90s movies aren't that good, but I still miss hearing Mario as a Brooklynite. Yeah, Mario as a Brooklynite kind of became like the thing for everything. And just, I, I mean, it makes sense for a little bit of it, but at the same time, it's kind of just, meh, I don't know. It's just me. It's whatever. You know, I could go either way with him. But... Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's move on here to the next bit of news that we have, because, again, it's a very Nintendo heavy night, at least for our main stories. And that's about Nintendo apologizing for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet performance issues. Of course, there is a big push to get uh, refunds out there right now, given all of the problems with uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, and I guess some refunds have been going through. People have been able to actually get their money back because of the level of performance issues that they've been having. It basically been making the game unplayable. Uh, needless to say, though, it looks like what's going to be happening here is that uh, they had stated on Wednesday that they are taking player feedback seriously. There's an update coming out, version 110, 1.1.0, excuse me, uh, that's going to release, uh, I guess it released yesterday when did the story publish here let's see this was the first of december yeah so this published on uh yesterday is when the uh update went live and that brought uh first season of rank battles one of the competitive modes and also fixed 
an issue where certain music tracks weren't playing correctly during specific battles, but they are still working on all of these other problems. So there necessarily is a, there's only a small patch to fix one little issue that I don't even think I heard anything about. Um, so they are, I guess, trying to figure out what it is that they can do to fix. But is this for a mainline Pokemon game, a first party switch title, like, where are we at on this, Kyle? I mean, like, it's sold, like, 10 million units in three days. Do you think it's even one of those things that, like, you, you know, we should have even seen in the first place now? Like, you know, is this, is, do we I don't know. It kind of raises update? the question, did, did we get too many Pokemon games too quick? Yeah, did they have their development teams stretched out so much with Arceus, uh, with, uh, uh, what was it? Sword and Shield, and with Scarlet and Violet, like did they stretch out too thin to release, and that's just what happened? Or well, was it and the brilliant diamond, I know that Shining Pearl too. Yeah, and I I know they're lesser titles, but they have all those mobile games now too. And I I I know what is it? Um, I don't even remember the the company that that put out Pokemon Go. That I I know they run completely separate, but. I'm I'm fairly certain it's a, a branch of Nintendo that runs like the Pokemon Cafe game and the the other the Pokemon MOBA style game that's on mobile and on Nintendo. So I feel like maybe their team is stretched out too thin. They've they've tried to stretch out into too many genres and they've tried to pump out they or they've started to try and pump out mainline titles far too quickly now. And it's actually hurt their development cycle. They they've hit the same thing that that happened to Assassin's Creed. That's happened to to you know the best of them. And you just you spread yourself too thin, and mistakes were made. Yeah, that's really what I'm thinking. Is that like not only is it that they've stretched themselves too thin? I mean, a lot of the mobile games aren't being developed by by the Pokemon company. It's mostly just mm -hmm. working cross-platform with uh, mobile developers to actually make those games and to meet that level of quality that we'd expect for a Pokemon game. And a lot of those mobile games, I think, if not all of them, have actually been rather decent in quality and scope. And I know a lot of people really hate the monetization of stuff, but that's unfortunately the nature of the beast in this day and age and has been for over a decade now. But even with that being the case, where we're at on a lot of this, though, is that this is a mainline console game that that even like Video Games Chronicle here says, like, you know, they wrote in their review, they said the huge expansion and changes to the single player campaign are great. The size of the world and the joy of exploration are the best in the series and the new Pokemon battle or Pokemon and battle mechanics uh, introduced all sing. However, it's just impossible to shake the thought of how much better the game would feel if it was on more powerful hardware or simply ran acceptably on the Switch. So, and that's been the case for every other thing here. It's that it's like, there's yeah, still I, more talk about the power of the console, though, too. I, I won't say that I, I haven't heard it both ways. You know, I've heard people say that they, they love the game. They love the idea that they can walk into a town. They can walk into any town, not just a town, any town on the map basically you know and granted sometimes it does require a little finagling with some of the in-game glitches that are very reminiscent of like red and blue but that you know those were the early days and now we're talking what 20 years down the line um when they shouldn't exist like that but even still there are cities that you can go to right off the bat that you know you are, are going to be higher level cities and you'll fight someone yeah. that you know is level five and you'll completely stomp them and then turn around and right around the corner there's a dude that's level 60 that's going to pound you just the same way you you just uh got uh, you know you smacked around someone with a level five so it, it's a really unique um experience in that aspect and it, and it p provides a lot of you know I, I guess different ways to to approach the game um, and with the approach, there has been more glitches found, but I mean, of course it, it, it's, it's cool that, you know, it, it opens it up like that, but at the same aspect, there shouldn't have been those glitches. You know, this is a Pokemon game. This is Nintendo. We're talking about, they don't release things that need massive patches day one, let alone 
a couple days or you know a, a few weeks after day one yeah that's one of those like big things that this even released with a day one patch and i don't even know what mm-hmm. that patch actually addressed i don't know if there were notes for it or anything but it's it's still interesting to wonder about how exactly the updates are going to roll out and how a lot of this is going to be fixed because even that they've you know they put out this first patch which fixed a few bugs and but it added in it not only fixed a few bugs but added in a whole new feature set like specifically the season one of the ranked battles which means Mm -hmm. that they added in a whole new feature set while the game is still suffering while there are still problems like even this evening like my kid went and bought it for the switch uh and was going to play it and i was showing him it's like go uh, online and look at the speed boost uh exploit that you can use in pokemon and he's like what are you talking about i'm like all you need to do is pair up a switch pro controller with your switch and hold the uh hold up on the left analog stick on both and you will run double the speed and he's like what yeah i'm like yeah go go watch a video and sure enough like uh, he's looking up a video i had to go take care of something else in the house sure enough he comes back to me he's like what the hell i'm like yeah it's (laughs) one of those things it's like one of those things that you're gonna have to try yourself now that you have it but it's like the fact that there's these other things that are going on and they just still decide to release some content but i I just don't know where priorities really sit like i don't know how long it's going to take to see things actually fixed here but i don't know just some of the the uh, more minor bugs are what uh, I, don't, I don't i don't know if they'd be minor or major at this point you know with with the scope of um how how many things are wrong with this game but like the the fact that you can fall through the map or your pokemon can fall through the map which can totally halt a match and you basically have to go back to your previous save um yeah exactly just stuff like that it, it's little egregious errors that shouldn't have existed in the first place that how did they slip past nintendo's um you know quality control this isn't the days of the wii anymore and i nintendo knows that they've had to learn their their lesson i mean it hurt them a lot in the wii u for for developers that actually wanted to put out games for the the console and i mean it I mean, the Wii, the Wii U wasn't the greatest console anyway, but that really, really hurt it. The fact that no one wanted to produce games for it because everyone was producing crap for the original Wii. Yeah. And let, let's not go back to that, Nintendo, especially with one of your, your biggest franchises. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's one of the key things, I think, with all of this is that like for anything that's been mainline especially first first party uh console specific it's like to see it kind of suffer like this and i don't even know if a more powerful um a more powerful switch would have actually been enough to address the issues because you look at like well, like well the reason why i say that is like an example is like we've seen that with more powerful hardware we sometimes see those bugs fixed, but not everything ends up being addressed, and you still run into those problems. Cyberpunk 2077 experienced those issues. You just today with the Callisto protocol that you ended up going and getting refunded were experiencing issues, and you've got a rather powerful gaming PC anyway and mm-hmm. still had to dial back settings. It, it's it's one of those things that it's like it doesn't matter how much power you throw at something, the underlying code is going to cause these issues to continue to come up or even come up in different ways that you didn't expect to now that there's more power behind it see and so. that that's one of the things i, w- I was going to say was the the caveat is someone uh, and I, I shouldn't say someone there's been a few people that since it did break street date and everything it has been out um on the internet for a while so people were able to get a hold of the code and running on a on a 3080 yeah, it it runs fine. You don't have some of those frame rate issues. But we're also talking about a video card that blows the the um SOC that that's in the Nintendo out of the water by far, you know. It, it it's it's a whole different ballpark of a uh, of a system at that point. I mean, you're you're basically that that's like 10 Wii's or 10 10 switches, excuse me, in, instead of, you know, just the the switch itself. Maybe I, that that's an exaggeration, no, but you know what I mean. I, I get where you're coming from, yeah. So Nintendo hasn't released any timeline on patches or updates that we're actually going to see for this game yet, though. So just as everything, you know, it's like our favorite thing to say here is just it's a wait and see. You know, and 
I, I just really hope that Nintendo comes forward more and says, this is what we're going to do. But the one thing I hope they don't do, don't, don't give me a, a plan. Don't give me a roadmap or whatever. Just make good on it. Yeah, exactly. That's the key thing. I, I, I think that the whole roadmap idea is, is run its course, and we need to go back to a day uh, when, when games were done, when, when they come out finished, you know? They don't need all the patches and stuff. And for a while, Nintendo was doing really, really good with stuff like that. But this is really a kick in the teeth for Nintendo, I feel like. Yeah, if it was any other game, I'm sure that it'd just be like, okay, well, we'll we'll see how it gets fixed. But Pokemon, it seems like, is one of those you don't want to really drop the ball on. But right, that's that. So yeah, let's go ahead and just take that, put it in our back pocket to revisit here another day, and let's move on here to our last main story for this week, and that is about Microsoft and the Activision Blizzard deal. And uh, it looks like that they're getting ready to offer some concessions in the EU space right now uh, to be able to make the deal happen. And this is according to sources as reported on by Reuters. So Reuters goes on to say, um, uh, they say uh, Microsoft is likely to offer remedies to EU antitrust regulators in the coming weeks to stave off formal objections to its $69 billion bid for the Call of Duty maker Activision Blizzard, uh, people familiar with the matter said. And I guess according to what they actually listed here, um, it says Microsoft's remedy would consist mainly of a 10-year licensing deal to PlayStation owner Sony. Um, but the licensing deal doesn't necessarily say what it covers. However, they go on to say what um, uh, Microsoft spokesperson shared out there. It says Sony, as the industry leader, says it's worried about Call of Duty, but we've said we are committed to making the same game available on the same day on both Xbox and PlayStation. We want people to have more access to games, not less. So whether that 10-year deal is exclusive to Call of Duty or I guess anything else in the Activision Blizzard space is uh, interesting to say. I can't imagine it would just be straight-up Call of Duty. I would imagine that there's got to be other Activision Blizzard titles that would end up being uh, that would end up being rolled in as a part of it, but Call of Duty being the top one. I mean, like, what do you take away from that? I mean, is th this isn't necessarily that bizarre right i i don't know i the the whole thing they they've been offering the the uh 10 year concession for a long time and you know for i i don't know for what two weeks now three weeks phil spencer has been saying that they they're not going to take call of duty away from playstation as long as there's a, a system to put call of duty on um call of duty is going to be on it and when you look at I, thing, things like interviews with, uh, and this is kind of way branching out, but there was an interview with Todd Howard uh, earlier this week. Uh, and in it, they, were, they talked about how games like The Elder Scrolls are like mid-level uh, mid releases. And it's because things like Call of Duty are your your tier one releases now. The the games that you know they come out every year and people buy them like like crazy. Your 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 yearly first person shooter, your your Call of Duty that that's your top tier game. And I I don't know where where anyone's getting off at this point trying trying to block the deal. I'm right. I, I'm just confused. It, it, at, at at this point i i mean even activision has come come out saying that you know if if the eu would like to try and block it or the ftc would like to try and block it that they would they would like to fully support and come out and and help microsoft defend themselves and the the whole deal but i don't know it, it it's just screwy and i feel like it's still sony trying to pull at the fact that they they feel like they're losing Call of Duty when they're really not, and really and truly they're 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 doing some shady stuff just by trying to not get the deal to go through. At least in my mind, yeah. Th there's a lot that's being argued that just doesn't make sense to me. But I do like the point that you brought up about uh, Bethesda and the Todd Howard interview because I was gonna actually bring that one up though too. Is that like Todd Howard had said is like they've constantly released xbox exclusives or timed exclusives for xbox uh like a lot of the um uh 
the uh, Elder Scrolls games were either Xbox mm-hmm. exclusives or timed exclusives that they would be on there for a certain period of time before releasing elsewhere. Um, right. And so now, of course, they feel the pressure to release a title that is more worthy of being like a first party experience. And that ends up being like Starfield, you know, one that would, uh, I guess this wasn't necessarily in Todd Howard's words, but this is the way that it was taken is that it's to sell more consoles, which that's what an exclusive title is going to do. You want to be able to play this title. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to do that. And that's one of those things that it's like Microsoft kind of has, but doesn't really have. I mean, sure. They've got halo. They've got gears of war. They've got Forza. Um, you, but you know, outside of that, you've got some of these other titles, like especially you look at the stuff that's in like the contention for like game of the year, uh, like mm-hmm. Call of Duty Ragnarok or not Call of Duty Ragnarok. Oh my God, why did I say that? God of War. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> you can tell where my mind's been at all because we're talking about Call of Duty. It's just whew, Call of Duty Ragnarok. Yeah, here comes, here here comes. Uh, that reminds me of something else. But here the comes, with uh, his M16. <laughs> yeah, here comes Kratos calling in a tactical nuke. Um. God damn, yeah. God of War <laughs> Ragnarok, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know why that popped in my head. My bad. Anyway, it probably just because of all the Call of Duty talk. But no, God of War Ragnarok is is currently ranked as like the, or considered to be the game of the year and is fighting really hard with Elden Ring especially. And I believe Elden Ring ended up, Elden Ring was a PlayStation exclusive, wasn't it? I don't think it came out on Xbox. Uh, no, it came out on Xbox. Did it? Okay. But there was something about Xbox, it with, PC, yeah. yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was an exclusive there. But even so... It's it's one of those things that it's like Microsoft doesn't really have something like that that's going to go up to bat for a lot of these awards or anything of such, you know, because it's already been shown in their paperwork. It's been shown in their reports that they've put out there to be able to make this deal happen, that it's like Sony is the leader in all of this. And Bethesda's mm-hmm. got to put out that effort. But Activision Blizzard's going to have to do the same thing, too, potentially. Uh, but... Obviously, of course, that doesn't mean that Call of Duty is going to have to go exclusive to make the Xbox a more popular console or anything. It's it's going to be one of those things that something else is going to have to give. Needless to say, there's right. going to have to be agreements in place to make sure that they don't immediately go next day and it's like, oh, well, Call of Duty no longer runs on PlayStation. Sorry, guys, you're out your $70. You can't play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 or Warzone anymore on PlayStation. You know, it's not going to ever be like that. Um, right. So whatever's going on here to make these concessions happen part of it i i get but at the same time it's like i can't imagine stuff like this happening and microsoft makes a good point microsoft wouldn't have expanded as far as they had with offering games up the way they do by you know shutting people out it would be neat to see some sort of like part like game pass partner where it's like maybe a game could go game streaming where you're using microsoft's uh cloud platform to be able to stream your game using like uh uh x cloud as like the back end but you could stream basically any game you want like you know tie in your steam library or something or or uh, whatever else there could be but right i don't know they seem to be on that track though to really make it so that way it is more open but i i don't know i mean i'm not a business uh, i'm not into business i'm not into any of the logistics or legality when it comes to anything so i, I don't know I guess I'll just sit around and wait yeah. for Call of Duty Ragnarok to release. Call of Duty Ragnarok. God, I can't believe I said that. I love it. I love it. I'm not going to live that one down. Uh, but yeah, as it stands, I mean, we did expect some concessions, at least from Microsoft on all of this. But uh, right now, we're still waiting to see exactly what happens because the deal is expected still to close in June of next year. So that could all be stalled by lawsuits and further investigations. But We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But we know what does happen next. Do we? Yeah. What happens next is the end of the main stories and on to the quest markers with (laughs) Kyle. Kyle, bring us up to speed with those quest markers, dude. What do we have going on at the last bit of the news for this week? So in our last bit of news for this week, uh, well, in the first last bit, uh, a video game console for dogs? Um, apparently, UK-based developer Joypaw is developing a touch-based game for dogs. Uh, the game ut- utilizes a saliva-resistant um, touchscreen and a motion-tracking collar um, to basically play a whack-a-mole-style game in which dogs can use their snouts to poke at um, sp- spots that have more bubbles or... Uh, icons 
such as a mole popping out of holes on the, the screen. Uh, and when they tap the right spot, a treat is actually dispensed at the bottom of the screen, similar to uh, devices that we had seen, uh, I guess, monkeys used, I, I think it was about 20 years ago in, in science experiments. Um, the design was originally developed uh, by company co-founder uh, Dursim Adver, uh, or Advar, sorry for butchering your name, dude, if you're listening, um, to keep his wife's dog, um, overly active dog occupied uh, during times when they couldn't give it attention. Uh, but he soon realized the potential to um, aiding dogs that um, are having cognitive retention abilities uh, later in life. So I uh, could see more coming out um, as far as like dog therapy with video games in that front. And nice. in our second uh, quest marker for the evening, uh, you could win a Steam Deck while watching the Game Awards. Uh, every minute during the Game Awards, and I mean every minute, um, Steam will be giving a 512 gigabyte Steam Deck away. Um, all participants need to do is, of course, it, the, the uh, sweepstakes is only valid in the United States, unfortunately. So, sorry, Canada, UK, and the rest of the world, you are not part of this. But um, you basically have to have a valid Steam login um, and had to have purchased a game or a product from Steam within the past 12 months and have the account in good standing with Valve. Um, upon registration, of course, all participants will receive a little nifty cute little steam icon of the steam deck uh with a smiley face on it that moves so get registered and good luck and in our last quest marker for the evening google starts the refund process on stadia hardware uh google has tweeted that they will begin refunding customers who bought stadia through the google store uh refunds on on specific hardware include the individual controller and Chromecast bundle. Um, it has not been confirmed that they will, will or it has been confirmed that they will not be refunding subscription fees to Stadia Pro, however. Uh, Google refunds uh, should, or Google says all refunds should be completed by the shutdown of the system, which is scheduled by January 18th. Uh, mind you, these a lot of these refunds are occurring automatically. Um, and of course, if you've got uh, saved games on there, some companies are providing options or ways for you to, to retain your saves and put them onto Steam or other platforms. So definitely contact uh, Google support or Stadia support if you're having any issues with that. Otherwise, um, Check your bank account because maybe you might be getting a little extra Christmas money from Google. And that is it for our quest markers for um, this December 2nd. Well, awesome, awesome, awesome. So with that being the end of quest markers and the end of the main stories, that means that is it for the weekly news roundup for December 2nd, 2022 with us, the NPCs. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for joining in and hanging out with us while we bring you the news from this week. If you liked what you were listening to and watching, of course, be sure to go follow us on your favorite podcast platform of choice, where the audio from this episode will be available soon after this stream is finished. Be sure to check us out on our homepage, anchor.fm slash the-apcs-podcast to find out exactly what platforms we're supported on. And of course, go and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice, whether that be Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, you name it, we're probably on it. And of course, be sure to check out our back catalog of over three years of content to definitely keep you busy on all the things NPCs. Be sure to follow us on social media as well, on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, be sure to follow the channel here on YouTube by subscribing and hitting that notification bell. So when we go live with the weekly news roundup, you will be able to tune in and hang out with us. But with all that, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We shall catch you all next week. Laters.